following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 244, recorded on Thursday, May 31st, 2018. I'm Dave Nelson, along with Brad Ludwig. Hello, Brad. Hello. Coming up, alien killer robots may have destroyed every extraterrestrial civilization in the universe. Details on that, plus a Missouri sphere sighting. I like that, sphere sighting, and our picks and warnings feature. Before all that, though, our question. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? Hey, Dave, what's the question? Bradley, what is your favorite alien-themed toy from childhood or any time in your life? Or you could do, like, childhood and adulthood. You know what? I used to have a handheld Battlestar Galactica game. That's cool. It was an electronic game. And your job was to avoid the Cylon Raiders that were coming towards you and destroy them. <laughs> that's awesome. It was a very cool game. Do you have an, an adult toy that's your favorite? I mean, I mean. <laughs> no, I know what you meant. We're not going down that road. I'm not even going to insinuate it. You have so you many know, of them. I, you know, yeah, that's the thing. I have more toys than probably an a, adult male should. Well, you probably have more toys now than you ever did as a child. I, you know, I would not refute that. <laughs> Gosh, if I were to boil it down to one, that's tough. You could go with that uh, that Cylon pop vinyl doll behind you. Gosh, you know, I could. I could. Stay, you know, stay with the Battlestar Galactica theme. I do like uh, my Dalek sec that I have from Doctor Who. Nice. Oh, man. That's a very tough question, isn't it? Yeah. I, but I'm not sure if anyone is particularly my favorite. And that's kind of looking around my... It's like trying to pick a, a favorite child. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> you only have I, one. I only have one. Uh, <laughs> but no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna go with that. My my Dalek sec, I think, is the most interesting of my alien Funkos that I think I have. Okay. All right. So my answer is the Star Trek Bridge from the original series toy from way back in the day where they had the um the transporter that you would put your action figure in and you would spin it and stop and it would look like the action figure was beaming down to the planet. It had the captain's chair. It had the um, navigation and con. It had seats and it had a, a screen. It was cool. You could uh, close it up and take it with you. It had a handle on it. And I wish I still had it because I think it might be worth something or at least worth to show off. It would be really cool to show off. I'm sure that you've seen that before. Have you seen that before? 
Yes, yes, I have. It's pretty famous. It's like one of the most sought-after or most memorable Star Trek toys from the early line of toys. The reason I picked this question is it relates to my pick later on. Actually, hang on. I'm trying to think of an adult toy that I have. That's my favorite. I have a few down here. Scott Summers. Scott Summers. Cyclops. Uh, I have um, Harley Quinn, my little phaser that uh, lights up at the (laughs) end. I have Iron Man right there. This is Max Mercury, the alien that hung in my car forever. Multiple cars. He's now dead, pretty much. So I don't have one toy, like, considered like a classic toy toy. I I guess I don't have a, I'm, I'm like you, I don't have a favorite one from my adulthood. You know what? Let's ask the listeners. What is your favorite toy from either A, childhood, and or B, adulthood. Let us know. Uh, email aliens at gncasts.com, aliens at gncasts.com. Call our voicemail number, 805-328-3966. In the news. Check this out. How crazy of a headline is this? It has a lot to live up to. Alien killer robots may have destroyed every extraterrestrial civilization in the universe. (laughs) Well, there goes that. It's almost like the Borg, but they weren't really robots. They were cyber... Cyborgs. Cyborgs, yeah. You know how funny that is? I couldn't think of the word cyborg, but I said Borg. I didn't make the connection for some reason. I I, I won't judge. Okay. So here it is. A theoretical physicist believes the reason why Earth hasn't made contact with E.T. is because alien killer robots have destroyed every extraterrestrial civilization in the cosmos. Alexander Berezin of the National Research University of Electronic Technology in what country do you think that's in? Wakanda. No. Second guess. Real, Prague. Real, okay. That's not a country. Sorry. It's Russia. This is a Russian university. Oh, okay. He came up with a theory to explain the Fermi paradox, which describes the contradiction between the likelihood that alien life is present somewhere in the vastness of the universe and the lack of any evidence to prove its existence. So here is what he has to say. Professor Berezin believes any civilizations of biological organisms or, this is my favorite part, rogue AIs, which tries to colonize other planets, will inevitably destroy every species in its way. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a second, the way humanity is, you don't think that we would like just destroy and conquer. But he doesn't really mean it that way. He writes, I'm not suggesting that a highly developed civilization would consciously wipe out other life forms. Most likely, they simply won't notice the same way a construction crew demolishes an anthill to build real estate because they lack incentive to protect it. I believe what he's saying is we're going to go into a planet and not really either consider 
or realize that we're destroying a civilization that lives there. Sort of. But if humanity doesn't achieve interstellar space travel, it is doomed to be eradicated by aliens or extraterrestrial AI-powered computers as they expand their civilization. He doesn't really go into detail on the rogue AI or the AI-powered computers. (laughs) But I suppose if, like, a civilization gets so advanced that they use AI and computers for, like, space exploration or, you know, advanced parties or whatever, and these AIs get super powerful, they may not think about civilizations that they come in contact either or contact with either. Know what I mean? Yeah. You know who we should have talking about that? (laughs) J.F. DuBose. J.F. (laughs) DuBose. You know what? That's the answer for almost anything on this show, is let's talk to J.F. DuBose about this. Let's talk to J.F. DuBose about that. But we never have him on. He's a busy guy. He's uh, finishing up his, uh, actually his uh, follow-up to an AI book that he wrote. Yep. And the original one is called The Life Engineered. Is there a title for the second one? I forget. Uh, Arch. Oh, yeah. Arcanoid? Arch. No, it's Arch. I forget. (laughs) But it's Arch something. Anyways, uh, listener, just look up J.F. DuBose and find his books. He's an awesome author. He killed Brad once, actually. Uh, Yeah. Turns out uh, I'll be mentioned again. Really? In the the follow-up to A God in the Shed. Oh, cool. So you're not really dead, or is it a prequel? Oh, I think it's, you know, that guy's a real jackass. Um, you know, I think that's how it'll just, just all just pan out. Just one line. I'm glad he's dead, and and then everybody moves on. They go, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I can always tell the interest in a new story when we totally get side <laughs> sidetracked. Yeah, there is that. No, but this is kind of a neat story. Uh, Berezin warns the incentive to grab all available resources is strong, and it only takes one bad actor to ruin the equilibrium with no possibility to prevent them from appearing at interstellar scale. One rogue AI can potentially populate the entire supercluster with copies of itself, turning every solar system into a supercomputer and there is no use asking why it would do that. This is really weird. This is this is worded weird, maybe because it's like translated from Russian to English or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. Another possibility why we haven't bumped in, ran into, or had first contact with an alien species of some kind. What do you think of this one, Brad? Whenever I think about AI... I do get a little nervous because at a certain point programming is, and I'm just talking like code. It's very lean. It doesn't take into account anything other than facts and figures. We are messy as, as a species because there are emotions. You can't really write code for that, at least not at this point in time. So, to, you know, when you read something like this and, you know, they like ignore something or just view it as possibly inferior because it's messy, I, I could see that happening quite easily. 
or they ignore something or don't don't take something into account because it doesn't they don't need it for their plans or they don't they don't think it's necessary for the end result of something. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I think it would be easy is the wrong word, but I, it's logical to me. It makes sense that if something was so messy and didn't follow a certain track of of logic yeah. to a certain point that you'd just go, you know, it's like that annoying person at work that you really don't want to talk to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. Okay. I mean, to me, I mean, that just kind of makes makes sense. Yeah, no, I I get where you're going with that, and that does make sense. Now, I think AI is going to be great. It may have a double-edged sword. Like, we may become too dependent on AI or let AI have too much power, and they could, you know, hurt humanity in some way without us even realizing or intending it to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I guess that's a fear everybody has with AI. Yep. I'm not alone then. Good. No, absolutely not. We should start a new <laughs> podcast called The AI Invasion. That'd be cool. But I think The follow-up show. Yeah, I think we'd have to be smarter people to, to tackle those kind of subjects. If you have thoughts, feelings, or a strong opinion on the story that we just talked about, email aliens at gncasts.com. That's aliens at gncasts.com. Or call our voicemail number, area code 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. Thank you for your feedback. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at GNCast.com. Please identify the craft you witnessed. A black, triangular, three-dimensional shape, huge, just flying, hovering in it. Shaped like, almost like between an egg and like a teardrop. Two long cylinder objects flying over me. I can see the occupants in it. to be rotating and it was on circular disc shape, and it hovered for maybe about five minutes. So this is the portion of the podcast where we talk about an incident. Somebody noticed in the sky a light. Could it be an extraterrestrial craft or something reflecting off the surface of a lake, for example? It could, it could be either or, and that's what we try to look into here with the sighting section. So what do you got this? What did you bring us this time around? Just before we get into this, as I was looking through New Fork, which is now my go-to website, I found like an intriguing entry for a UFO sighting. And the beautiful thing about New Fork is that people go through and actually look at these, the, the people of New Fork. And there's this beautiful little write-up about this thing that happened. It was like eight hours long, and it was just a beautifully written piece of work that literally was uh, the equivalent of probably a sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper. And at the end, it had a note from somebody in New Fork saying, upon looking at the photos that they provided us, uh, we determined that it was Venus. 
<laughs> oh no so it was like this long and you know and god bless they wrote all these facts and details and provided pictures and it was like oh wow there's something happening here and it's really cool and then you get to the end and it's like okay well new fork did their due diligence they looked at everything <laughs> they they checked the facts and they determined that it was venus so it's not like a website where they go oh my gosh you know you were visited by aliens on everything they they are skeptical and mm -hmm. they do actually investigate and do their due diligence That's so good. so less i had to change my pick that i was going to do <laughs> go to the end of the report or go to the end of the article to make sure that everything's copacetic before oh, you read. and i do but it was like i was reading and reading and i was scrolling as i was reading and then i got to the end and i'm like oh okay <laughs> but it was it was compelling from from the get go. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, you get to the end, you're like, oh, oh well, it was a great read. Wah, wah, wah. Anyways, here's something. <laughs> now after that huge buildup, here's something that sucked that I found. How's that, Dave? <laughs> no, this was this was very interesting. This happened in Parkville, Missouri. I like saying Missouri instead of Missouri. The shape of this particular craft was a sphere that somebody saw. On the 12th of May, so just a couple of weeks ago, Oh, the duration of this was 15 minutes. That's a good long time. Yeah. So they saw this at 10.50 their time. Here's what they wrote. We saw one extremely fast-moving object that we thought was a satellite, but it was moving at about four or five times faster than normal. We then saw another singular object about five minutes later. These objects look like a solid, constant, hazy ball of light. These lights resembled a hazy star, but at ten times the size and brightness. Hmm. Several other of the objects moved from south to north, but trailed off to the east and did not follow the normal trajectory, trailing off to the horizon. About five minutes after we saw the pack of about 30 of the same objects moving together south to north following the same path of the previous two. So now we're talking about 32 objects. Wow. After the pack came by, another 10 to 15 came over. Jeez. We are now up to, at max, 47. Jesus. I honestly, this is the writer of this, I honestly can say I have never seen something that has given me goosebumps like this before. Please call me to follow up for a more in-depth report. Wow. I want to know As, more. Yeah. I, again, I read this. I was like, oh, wow. There's a lot going on here. And I was really sad that nobody from New Fork had a follow-up or a bit of information uh, for them or to let us know that they've uh, investigated it. So what could explain this besides yeah, aliens? It's a lot. You know, 512. Hang on. Etta Aquarian Meteor Shower was May 7th, but that is about a week before. How about it being an object or or the debris of something that burned up in the atmosphere? Maybe. But then it sounds like they were controlled, like a controlled flight of some kind. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I'm looking through all of these other sources and... Yeah, May May 7th. So it's, yeah, a week before. And there 
about 10 times the size and brightness of what they say a hazy star. I'm not sure that's kind of a, but how do you measure something like that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a little bit subjective. Um, so it's hard to determine the actual size, but, and we don't really know if they were consistent in their size. So they weren't fireworks, were they? They weren't. No, you would have heard a yeah. a pop or something like that. And they traveled from north to south. You know, there there was an actual pattern that they followed. Okay. All right. Across the sky. So I would say no. And wow, 40, about 45 to 40, well, 42 to 47 objects approximately. That's crazy. So New- That's a lot. New Fork, get on this. We want to know. Uh, give us your expert opinion as to what you think this was, because right. I'm curious, and I know Brad is curious as well. I am too. All right. So as we always say, listener, if you see something, say something, let us know. We'd love to report personally from your report on the sighting segment. You can uh, email aliens at gncasts, that's C-A-S-S-T. C-A-S-T-S dot com or uh, call our voicemail number 805-328-3966. If you like this podcast, The Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode, it's per month at one, three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like you can get your name mentioned on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network Network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, three dollar, five dollar a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support, click on that Patreon link, and I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're gonna be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link. And support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Watching, reading, playing, listening, making. This is the segment of the podcast. This is the part of the podcast where we uh, talk about something that we have entertained ourselves with that pertains to aliens in some way. Could be a movie. Could be a TV show. Music video game, books, comic books, anything that has just the slightest bit connection to aliens in some way. And that's kind of what mine is this week, but not really. It's um, it's a documentary series on Netflix called, and I don't know if you've heard about this or not, The Toys That Made Us. No, I have not. It's got two seasons. Season one premiered. The first episode was about Star Wars toys. Season two premiere was about Star Trek toys. 
I watched the Star Trek episode first all the way through. I watched the Star Wars episode partway through second. Uh, but I can say that it's very well put together. It's, I mean, it's they put a lot like they start each episode with kind of a rec- like a recreation of what happened back in the day when whatever significant event had to do with these toys. So with Star Trek, what was it again? I forget now. With Star Wars, it was the guy from Kenner going to visit the set of Star Wars: A New Hope. And just freaking out. He was so excited to go back and for them to make these toys. Uh, Star Trek, they focused on, number one, it not being Star Wars. Because Star Trek was first. But Star Wars, they kind of mastered the whole merchandising around their property. And they were very successful at it. So Star Trek kind of got off to a bumpy start. There was a company that didn't really specialize in toys, but they made these really authentic-looking scale models. And in fact, the first company that made toys for Star Trek, they made the shuttlecraft for the original series, the full hmm. the full size shuttlecraft. And it, it's kind of interesting because it wasn't big enough. They... <laughs> Is that the you talking about the Galileo? Yeah, yeah. They had to like hunch over, like it, they couldn't stand up in it. Sure. And they talked about that. So, eventually, this company stopped making Star Trek toys, and it moved on to the next company, and then the next company, and it got to the point. Uh, the first really successful company was I forget the name, but they got really successful at it because of how successful Star Trek was in syndication. Oh, sure. Syndication kind of brought them success in selling these Star Trek toys. But then they put all this money into the original Star Star Trek, the motion picture, and it kind of bombed. Yeah. And so did their toys. (laughs) But... They got redeemed with Star Trek The Wrath of Khan because that was a good movie. That was huge. Yeah. So eventually this company stopped making the Star Trek toys. And actually the guy that ran this company got charged for like wire fraud and all these other white collar crimes. Uh. And the company went bankrupt. They continued on with the story of Star Trek, Star Trek toys and you eventually got to these companies that made these really realistic, like, toys that both adults and kids would love. And then I think for Star Trek Discovery, McFarlane Toys are making the toys for that. Oh, sure. It was cool. Um, oh, <laughs> I totally forgot. The original, uh, not the original company, but the company that I told you went bankrupt, they were the ones that made the um, the bridge action set with the transporter. I had that. You did? Yes. Okay. Well, you, you, you put your – I didn't have any of the figures, though. So it was like my parents got me the Star Trek set, but I had none of the Star Trek figures. <laughs> so you're putting your G.I. Joes or whatever in there. Right? I, you know, I had other – I can't even remember what fi- other figures I had at the time. Probably Star Wars. Um, but – 
there was a green button and a red button at the top. And then there was a dial yep. that you would spin. So you'd put your person in the thing and you'd spin it and it would spin around and you would press, if you press like green, it would flip to the other side. So mm -hmm. it would look like that character just like disappeared, had been transported. And then if you spun it again and pushed the other button, then the opposite side would show and it looked like they came back. So uh, yeah, it was really cool. Did you have the whole bridge set or just the transporter? Because they sold the transporter separately too. Well, maybe I had a different one because it was like a, a full kit that you could close the door on. Yeah, that's the one I had. I had that okay. one too. Were you yeah. listening at the question? Because <laughs> I, yeah. I was talking about this. Same thing. <laughs> oh, I misunderstood. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I want to go back real quick to uh, one of the first companies that made Star Trek toys. They didn't really know too many details about the show when they started making the toys. And then they got sort of like, I don't know, greedy. They didn't want to make their toys specific for Star Trek, so they just took toys they already were making and like slapped Star Trek labels on them. So oh, there's, no. like, there's like a Star Trek tank and... Um, Spock and McCoy, or Spock and uh, Kirk, parachuting down. They had a parachute set. All this, like, army toys, but they just put the Star Trek label on it, and they called them Star Trek toys. It was pretty stupid. And then the funny, the whole funny part of this one, this episode was there was a helmet, and you may have seen this, a helmet with a siren on top of it. And it had Spock or whatever character you wanted to have on the front. It was the dumbest thing ever. But they they sold it as a Star Trek toy. Yeah, they ran with it. Yeah. So the company that um, eventually would make Star Wars toys was Kenner, and uh, they were this small toy company from like I think I want to say Cincinnati, Ohio that really weren't known for much. They were just a small regional toy company. But <laughs> no toy company would take on Star Wars. They didn't believe in the property. But this upstart company were like, you know, what do we have to lose? We could totally do this. And they had to rush out their toys because they had a very small window between the time that th the deal went through and Star Wars actually hit theaters. So they actually went out and bought other companies' toys to make the prototypes. So basically they took apart other toy companies' toys, you know, action figures, and created these Star Wars action figures. <laughs> so they, there was all these cool stories about how they had to hurry up and get these prototypes made to get them to go out to Hollywood and get them approved by George Lucas and 20th Century Fox and then go back, come back and like get all these made in time for the movie to be be released. It was a very cool story and I highly recommend this series. I haven't looked through the rest of the episodes. I, I know there's one about Lego. That would be good. But I don't know what the rest of the episodes are like. I'm sure they're uh, pretty awesome as well. But it's called The Toys That Made Us. The two episodes that I watched were Star Wars and Star Trek. It's on Netflix, and I'm going to give it um, four out of five flying saucers. What? Yeah. Go out and watch it today.
<laughs> Bam. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to GNCast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. That's going to do it for this episode of The Alien Invasion, a Galactic Network podcast. If you would like to read more about the stories that we covered on this episode, click the links in the show notes. We'd like to thank Monkey Warhol for providing our intro music. It's a song called Alien Syndrome, and you can find out more about that and other stuff he's done. He's got some new music coming out soon. MonkeyWarhol.Bandcamp.com. MonkeyWarhol.Bandcamp.com. Also, too, Rutward von Dernberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song called Be Water. Learn more about him and his music at thecaravel.net. The Caravel, C A R A V E L.net. And you went there, right? You went to the, yes. his website, and it was pretty cool. Yep. Yep, and I signed up for like his newsletter, mm-hmm. and about once a week he sends something out. And it's really interesting. He he like describes music theory and all that stuff, right? Yeah, it's if you're if you're a music geek, uh, I would highly recommend uh, checking it out. Okay. Also, uh, finally, thanks to Ben Olson for recording our disclaimer audio at the start of this episode. For thanks, his... Ben. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I must be off. I forgot to pause for the, the thanks, Ben. Uh, go That's to, why I quick shouted it out. Go to BenOlson.com for more information about what he does. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Before we leave, final thought. Brad, what do you got? I think we're going to see Deadpool 2 tomorrow night, and I think the next week or probably maybe the following week we'll be able to see Solo. But you saw Avengers Infinity War. Correct. Okay. Okay, let's let's say that was our pick for the week. What? How many flying saucers would you give it? I give it four and a half. Okay, that's very respectable. It's very good. All right, so you enjoyed it then? I did. Okay, I did. I went to see Solo last week. I liked it. A lot of people don't like it, um, but for me, it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. So, um, if you like, it's it's a fun summer movie. It's it's not like this huge like. You know, important story. It's just fun. It's fun. You learn about the origin of all this cool Han Solo, Chewie, uh, Lando story stuff. You learn all about that, and it's it's neat. So, Cool. Okay. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNcast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.